And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you. Thank you for coming back to listen to yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. Just so you know, this episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Tesseract Ventures. Tesseract Ventures helps companies become smarter, better connected, and more efficient through next generation robotics, 21st century software, and radically connected platforms. You can visit tesseractventures.io to learn more or click the link in the show notes. Uh, so, so today, well, first of all, I am your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And today I am absolutely honored to, to talk to this guest. And I, I'm really, really excited to tell you about this guest. Today we have with us Wendy Gillis and Wendy Gillis is president and CEO of the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation. Now, many of you have probably heard of the Kaufman Foundation. They do a lot of really, really important work in supporting entrepreneurship through education and, and programming and data and just an incredible amount of things. And they, they support so many entrepreneurs, both in Kansas City and beyond. And I am just absolutely honored to have Wendy here with us today. Wendy, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Lauren. I'm so happy to be here. I, you know, I, I really, we have so much to talk about and I have so many questions that I want to ask you. So I'm just going to hop right on into it. And I'm going to ask you to just Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about the Kaufman Foundation. Just kind of get us rocking and rolling on, on who you are and what you do. Great. Well, thank you. Um, well, you know, I've been CEO now for a little over five years, and I I wish I could say this was part of my long-term plan, but it wasn't. Uh, this is, I'm kind of the accidental CEO, if you think about it. I uh, grew up kind of in the foundation and the communications and marketing department, stepped in as interim CEO back in 2014 and decided to throw my hat in the ring uh, when they did a national search and got was extremely fortunate to get the role. So um, I've been at it for um, five years now and loving every day. Uh, for those of you who um, don't know about the Kaufman Foundation, we're one of the largest foundations in the country and probably the largest to support entrepreneurship. And we've been doing it for a very long time. Um, and our founder was someone who was an entrepreneur himself he, um, when he got older and thought about giving back, he wanted to do something to help both um, students to get a better education, as well as entrepreneurs to build a start and realize their, you know, their entrepreneurial dreams. And so that's what we focus on. And we do it through, um, you know, this, this lens of three different priorities, one being inclusive prosperity, one being a prepared workforce and one being entrepreneur-focused economic development. That's what kind of keeps us going, and that's where all of our programs and initiatives are aimed at. So that's kind of a little bit about me and the foundation in a nutshell. 
Well, that that is absolutely perfect. So, so one of the first questions that I wanted to ask you, and and a little bit of context for our out of town and out of country listeners, but Ewing Marion Kaufman, um, founder of the Kaufman Foundation, he has a tremendous reputation within the Kansas City community uh, and beyond. Um, but you know, here in Kansas City, he he's talked about with reverence because he had such a commitment to helping his community, supporting the people within it, and making sure that everyone had equitable access to opportunity. And so so very well respected. And one of the things that I want to ask you, because I know you do this, but I don't know how, is how do you live the Ewing Marion Kaufman values through your work? Well, um, first I'd say, um, I won't talk about me personally, but in general, the foundation the principles of equity and diversity and inclusion are really embedded in all that we do. And Mr. Kaufman may not have used those exact words, but when you look at his values and his principles and sort of how he lived his life through all his different facets of life, whether it was his business or the baseball team or just being you know, a community citizen, um, he lived out those principles. And so our work is trying to help um, lower barriers for people who are left behind due to race or socioeconomic factors. Um, and then I think in terms of our culture and, and me personally, um, you know, one of his principles was treat others the, w- the way you want to be treated and to share the rewards with those who produce and to give back. And I, I think what that adds up to is what you do is important, but how you do it is even more important. And that's something that I uh, very much subscribe to. I believe that how you go about doing your business, how you go about living your life uh, matters. And so um, we approach our work. I approach my, my role um, with a great deal of humility. Uh, we don't have the answers. I certainly don't have the answers. Um, and we know how important it is to work with others, um, to collaborate, um, to partner. And so, you know, we, we talk about his values all the time. We, we give out, um, you know, awards called the K Awards um, every month to associates who are living out, you know, our values. And so um, we try to keep his spirit alive and we do the best we can to um, not only do what he wanted us to do, but how he might have wanted us to do it. That, that's absolutely incredible. And it's definitely the caliber of answer that I that I knew was going to be forthcoming. But, but <laughs> I actually didn't know about the, uh, the Mr. K Awards. That, uh, that's, a, that's a fun fact. Um, so, so I'm going to dive a little bit more deeply into that. And I'm going to ask you, you know, you mentioned collaboration. And I know that that is an integral value to the Kaufman Foundation. And and I also know that, you know, you're you're really intentional as an organization about recognizing your team and making sure that you maintain a strong, positive culture. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of the ways that you do that? Yeah, so internally, um, I'll, I'll, I will talk a little about the K Awards. So they are... Um, they're these blue wooden K's. <laughs> they're nothing special, um, the, the actual award. And so the very, this is about three years ago, um, I handed out the inaugural K awards. There's seven of them for each of our seven values and two associates who I thought were living those out. And then ever since then, every month, the um, associates give them to each other. So uh, we do a monthly uh, breakfast meeting that is of course now virtual. And so at the very end of the meeting, the um, seven uh, K recipients who received a K, you know, the the previous month uh, stand up and they they award their K. And, you know, one of them is for excellence. Another one's for openness, respect, humility, stewardship, 
learning, et cetera, um, they talk about why they're giving that K to one of their colleagues. And it's so special um, to, to have people recognized in front of each other. And, and um, I, I get teary. <laughs> I get teary. And I know I'm not the only one. Um, it just, it's just, it's one of my favorite things that we do. Um, in terms of collaboration in the community with our partners and stakeholders, um, one of my favorite quotes of Mr. Kaufman is that he, it, along the lines of all the money in the world won't solve problems unless we work together. But if we work together, there is nothing that can stop us as we seek to develop people to their highest and best potential. I actually have that memorized because I've said it so often. Um, so we try uh, as, as best we can when we're starting something new or when we're implementing a program to listen to what the community is saying, to work with them, to help co-design um, programs. One example is our Kansas City Scholars Program. It's a massive college preparation scholarship and completion program that is now awarded some 3,000 scholarships across the metro area. And before that program ever launched, it's now its own separate organization, we worked with about 60 members in the community to help co-design that because we knew if it's going to be successful, it had to be community owned. So that's one example of how we try to live out, you know, Mr. K's values of collaborating and working with others to solve big problems. Yeah. Well, and I, I have to tell you, um, and I, I just want to relate this little story to you because hopefully it'll, it, it'll have meaning for you. But um, so, you know, I, I, I've been very, very aware, hyper aware, actually, of the Kauffman Foundation for, for many, many years now. But I last GEW, which is Global Entrepreneurship Week, um, it's a pretty big deal here in Kansas City. Casey Sourcelink puts on a week-long celebration and um, really edu a lot of educational opportunities for entrepreneurs to connect and to engage and and to learn about the, the art and the work and the sweat of being an entrepreneur. Um, and, and so it's a really great initiative, but I just remember, I think I had been aware of this before, but it really came home for me last GEW, where I was going from panel discussions to lectures to work groups. And at every single event that I attended, I was talking to people or hearing from people who worked for these extremely impactful organizations, organizations that are doing what at Innovate Her KC we call radical positive change, um, working to enact that. And so many of them talked about the Kauffman Foundation and how the Kauffman Foundation had helped them, guided them, funded them, supported them in within the community to enable them to do their work. And so so on behalf of them and for our listeners, I just want to to make sure that there is an understanding of the amount of impact that you have within this community, within the national community, global community. Um, you just do you do such important work. You empower people to empower others. And I I love that. Oh, well, that, that warms my heart. Thank you so much. Um, I need to bring you on as our as our marketing person. <laughs> I love it. Um, we, I am more than happy to be a cheerleader for the Coffin Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you mentioned Global Entrepreneurship Week. Um, I'm so excited to hear that because that was when I was uh, Vice President of Communications. I was involved in the, um, along with, of course, others, many others, in starting that. Um, and there has been nothing more gratifying than seeing how that has taken off in ways that I couldn't even have dreamed of, you know, back then. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing 
And it also, I think, is just a testament to the power of entrepreneurship as this way for people to kind of realize their own creativity and their own dignity. And you see that in villages in Africa, as well as in New York City. I mean, it, it just cuts across, you know, all walks of life. And I think that's why that initiative has taken off so much. So, um, and, I, and I love it that Kansas City has one of the biggest celebrations in the world for Global Entrepreneurship Week. So uh, thank you for your support in, in doing that. It's going to be a little different this November, obviously. Um, yeah. We'll see how all the virtual things go, but um, so proud of, of that initiative and the impact it's had. You know, same. Um, and I mean, I, I've had very little hand in it, but even just being an attendee, like it's, it, it, as you said, like, it's just really beautiful to see all of these connection points and all of this learning and the, in the event itself is just, it's so accessible. Um, you know, there's no cost and people just come and they kind of hang out at, you know, different, different points where, wherever they've chosen to have the event, you know, like you said, it's going to be a little different this year because they're going virtual, but I just, I, I think that some of the connections that I have made as an entrepreneur and a, an ecosystem developer and some of the, the learning that I've been able to bring home and apply has, has just been game changing. Um, and, and, and it's just so easy, you know? <laughs> so, so, so let me, I'm going to ask you, we're, we're going to get into the, the work here in, in just a minute, but I want to ask you one more question. And I, and this one's going to be about Wendy. Okay. So, so my least favorite topic. <laughs> well, so I think one of the most impressive things about your journey, um, I always love it when people are, are are able to view an organization and work within an organization from the ground up. And so, you know, you started off as as someone in the marketing department, and you worked your way all the way up into to leading this organization that manages what like. $2 billion in assets and, and just does such impactful work. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that um, and kind of drill down on your journey personally. Like, what was that like and how has the Kauffman Foundation changed over the years as you have grown within it and with it? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, so how, um, let's see, I think um, I think when I got the role, the, the, the biggest change for me and probably for others was I went from being a peer of the senior team to being their boss. That's a weird thing. Um, and it was a shift for me because I'm a very, um, what's important to me is to have personal relationships with everyone. And I still do. Um, but I, it, it naturally changes things when you're you're in this position. So I've I've uh, I've gotten over that, and uh, I think you know I've got such great relationships with the team. Um, you know, I think that in terms of sort of my journey in leadership, um, one of the quotes, and I don't this is not attributed to anyone. I read it in a Harvard Business Review <clears throat> article about six years ago, and just resonated with me. But it's the most powerful leaders expand the power of those around them. And I read that and I'm like, that, that is it. That is how I feel because I don't, I'm not someone who looks for the spotlight. I don't actually like being in it. Um, I get no bigger thrill <clears throat> than seeing the team of people around me who are amazing. Just kill it. 
Um, and I think my job is to do whatever I can to create the conditions for them to excel. And I, I love it. I love to see them thrive. And so that's, that's kind of my North Star um, is working with and through people so they can do their very best work. And I think when you can do that, and I'm not saying I'm great at it, I'm saying I try, um, I think everything else kind of falls into place. So um, that's, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's, um, that's all I can remember for your question. No, no, that's a, that's a, that's a great answer. And I, and I love that. And I think that, you know, hearing about you as a leader is, is really inspiring, um, particularly when you put it in the scope of this organization that does, does the kind of work that you do. So, so thank you for that. Um, so, so I want to ask you, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you kind of big picture, high level stuff mm -hmm. uh, first, and then we can, I, I do really want to talk about some of the, the programs that you're working on and some of the things that you're really excited about. But the first question that I'm going to ask you is one of the things that, um, the Kauffman Foundation talks about a lot and messages a lot is inclusive prosperity. And so I, I want to know what does that mean and, mm -hmm. and why is so what that means is that individuals who have been historically left behind due to race or socioeconomic factors are building wealth and they have a good quality of life. So that's that's kind of the end state that we're after. There's a lot to unpack there, but it's, you know, it's uh, people of color, it's women in some, in many cases, it's people living in rural America that don't have access to the kind of resources and tools and just face higher barriers. So a lot of our programming is aimed at lowering their, those barriers and creating more opportunity uh, for them to thrive because, you know, we're going to be the best society and the best economy we can when everyone is prosperous, not just a few. And that gap, as you know, and we read about all the time is widening between the haves and the have nots. So that's what we're after. Um, and, and Lauren, the second part of your question cut out just a bit. So were you oh, so, so I asked, why is it important to to focus on inclusive prosperity? Right. I think, well, just because of the, the, the wealth gap. And if you look at the demographics of the country, um, I think in about 2050 or 2060 and, and in, the, in the near future, we're going to be majority, um, um, you know, people of color. There will be. Uh, and 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 then you look at some of the disparities that exist. Um, when people of color in terms of wealth generation, that's not a good mathematical equation for our economy. We need everyone to be able to participate fully and have a shot at success. And this goes back to Mr. Coffin. He wanted anyone, regardless of their circumstances, to have a shot at success, to take a risk, to succeed, to fail, you know, um, and to and to get back up and and do it over again. And so, um, I, I think if this is not um, you know, community level, national imperative, we're going to be in trouble, you know, in a couple of decades. I think we already are in some ways, if you, if you just look at some of the gaps that exist in our economy and our society. So I think it's one of the most important things. And I'd say that I can't think of a single piece of our work that doesn't point to this. It's a, it's kind of an overarching theme for us at the foundation. Yeah. Well, and it, 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 feeds so nicely, dovetails so nicely with one of your other pillars, which is entrepreneur-focused economic development. So I think uh, it was Casey Sourcelink who put out a, they, they have a We Create report, and at least mm -hmm. here in the city area, it was something like 60, or no, 
was it 60% of net new job creation came about as the result of entrepreneurship and small business ownership? It's actually um, higher than that. I think it's, and it's historic. I think it's like almost all net job creation comes from startups less than five years old. Yep. See, I need, I need to get drilled down on that, that stat. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that being said, so, so what you're talking about when you are creating opportunity for others to create jobs that not it's not just a job thing that the money that these people make go back into the economy to support other organizations and companies mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs and you know it enables people to buy houses which it opens mm -hmm. the door to generational wealth and these mm -hmm. are the kind of gaps that that we're talking about and so so it all just kind of it, it's a very symbiotic you have two very symbiotic goals um and i i i, I love that yeah um, Thank you. I, you know, Lauren, I'd even say that our third sort of priority is prepared workforce and entrepreneurship is part of that too, because who's creating the next generation of workforce? It's entrepreneurs. Right. So I think that they all kind of really do tie together. And, and that's why I think they're, um, you know, they cut across all of our work and they connect what all that we do. Um, you, you look at education, entrepreneurship, it seems like two very different things. But if you think about what we're aiming toward, they're means to this greater end. Um, so, um, thanks for, thanks for recognizing those connections. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, it's just, it's all interrelated. And I, there's that, that saying, the proverbial saying out there that a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, and I, I hear that saying on a pretty frequent basis, but I, I firmly, firmly believe it. Um, also, I just want to add this like from a personal note, but one of the foundational values of Innovate Her KC is low barrier to entry. And mm. I actually, got that from, I mean, of course I had heard of it before, but it was kind of brought home by the Kauffman Foundation, the Kauffman Foundation and Victor and, you know, just having conversations and listening to some of the content that y'all put out. I was like, oh, that, that sounds really important. That should be a cornerstone of what we do. Um, so, so thank you for that. And I, I'm thanking you on behalf of innovators everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so let me let, let's talk tactics. Um, I'm really, really, really interested to hear. I know that you do a lot of different kinds of work. You know, you mentioned Casey Scholars, and um, you do a lot within the community. Uh, but what are what are you really excited about it, it, programmatically at the Kauffman Foundation? Uh, wow, um, hard to nail it down. But a couple things that I'd love to just tell you and your audience about, um, we have kind of a long history in capital access programs. We, um, some of your um, listeners might be familiar with the Coffin Fellows Program, which was started uh, more than two decades ago. And it's it started as a venture capital apprenticeship program. And now it's long since spun off uh, as its own uh, entity it's more like a venture capital leadership program. And so uh, we've done that. We've started the Angel Capital Association back in 2004. It all, now also lives on on its own. Uh, and our next sort of step into this is something um, called the Capital Access Lab. And this is a national initiative um, that we um, partnered with the Rockefeller Foundation on. Um, and what it's doing and what it has done is we are seed funding um, a small set of investment funds that are doing something between debt and equity. So a lot of them are doing revenue-based investing. And what that's doing is that's serving 
um, the entrepreneurs who aren't going to get venture capital because they don't have the super high growth businesses. They have growing businesses, but they're not like the the home runs, right? They're not the you know the um, 10x growth companies. And there's and it's also serving entrepreneurs that um, for various reasons maybe they don't have the kind of um, you know capital they need or the kind of um, credit history they need. They're not able to access bank loans. So we estimated there's about 83% of entrepreneurs out there who don't access either form of capital, venture capital or traditional debt through a bank. So that leaves a lot of entrepreneurs, like the majority, that don't have great ways to, um, to, to get growth capital. And if you start breaking that down by demographics, um, you know, so they have to like use their own savings or family and friends money. But if you look at women, people of color, um, especially people of color, especially black Americans, they don't have the kind of wealth built up. Um, and so it's so much harder um, for people of color to get the kind of capital they need. You can see it from the statistics that bears out in terms of what kind of VC they get, how how much more often they're denied bank loans. And so the Capital Access Lab is trying to serve a different kind of entrepreneur by um, supporting a different kind of investment manager. And I'm really excited about this work. It's a, it was a small amount. Of, it was $3 million um, with another half million from the Rockefeller Foundation into five investment funds. But what we're seeing is we're building this community of practice with other investment funds that are doing the same thing. There's more than 100 out there in the country. And we're bringing them together to learn from each other. And the idea is that we kind of spawn a new kind of form of capital um, that really is getting to the heart of what entrepreneurs need. And most businesses, most businesses fall in that 83%. They're the kinds of businesses we have here in the community, in Kansas City and everywhere that are just good, solid growing businesses that need some financial support. I, I, I just love that. Um, and and so, so one of the things that I just love about this conversation that we're having right now is the fact that everything that, that we're talking about is just imbued with humanity. You know, you, you are serving humanity by serving a subset of humanity, which is entrepreneurs. Um, do you want to note really quickly that if you believe there's nothing more human than technology, go check out what the inventors, engineers, and creatives are building over at tesseractventures.io. From robots to flexible tech solutions for construction and beyond, the Tesseract team located right here in KC, dream it and make it come to life. So I just wanted to mention that. Thank you to Tesseract Ventures for being an amazing sponsor. Um, Back to it. So, so Wendy, what, what else are you excited about at the Coffin Foundation these days? Yeah, so I'll give you an example in a couple things in our education space. Um, so, you know, students graduate from high school with a diploma. And I'm just going to say, like, that diploma doesn't really mean much. <laughs> it means you fulfilled legal requirements and got through school. But does it mean you're prepared for college? No. Does it mean you're prepared for the workforce? No. So what we're doing here in Kansas City, and we're, we're, we're working with um, more than two dozen uh, superintendents across our six-county metro area, working with students, parents, business leaders to reimagine high school at scale. And what we're trying to do here with these partners is to provide all students with the kinds of real-world experiences that will better prepare them for whatever comes after graduation, whether that's going on to a two or four year institution or whether that's going straight into the workforce. And those kinds of experiences are things like internships, 
um, client projects where a team of students would be working with a business on a project. It involves like maybe getting college credit while you're still in high school or getting an industry recognized credential while you're in high school. These are the kinds of things that we think make school more relevant. It exposes students to what actually happens in the real world and gets them excited about it, about what pathways they might want to take. And so, um, you know, there are programs out there in our community, and I'm talking about Kansas City here, that exist. Um, Blue Valley CAPS and Northland CAPS and Independence uh, School District is doing some interesting things. But it's, it's usually for a small set of students and not everyone has access. So we're trying to say, what does that look like when every student can do a Blue Valley CAPS and have those kinds of experiences? Um, so I'm really excited about that work because tying that back to entrepreneurs, not only do I think it makes students more entrepreneurial because they have to learn things like collaboration and teamwork and problem solving and communication skills. I think that um, this is, you know, when we talk to entrepreneurs about their challenges, of course, they mentioned policy and things like that. But number one usually is talent. And I think that, you know, the best thing we can do for the future of our country is to have students more prepared um, and more adaptable and, you know, better able to use critical thinking so whether they choose to be an entrepreneur or go work for an entrepreneur, they're going to be more successful. Yeah. Well, so, so one of the most impactful lessons that I took away from my time at Startland was actually related to our, our educational system and the fact that, you know, you, you have teachers who are overworked and underfunded. That could be a whole nother show. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but, and you have students who are, are kind of taught to the test. Um, you know, not a lot of innovation has occurred in our curriculum. You know, the, the standards of school and the way that our schools operate were built during a time when our society was mostly agrarian or industrial. And so you were you were prepared for a career in a factory or on a farm. And, and we no longer live in that kind of economy. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, factories and farms aren't essential, but we're, we're living in a service economy and we're preparing our students for a society that is not that. Um, and so, so I love the work that you do. And I mean, you have a whole education system at the the Kauffman Foundation that is just dedicated to creating these kinds of experiences and opportunities for students. And it's it's just, it's so important. <laughs> how yeah. do you ask students coming into the workforce, how do you ask them to think independently and creatively and resourcefully like an entrepreneur if they've never had any practice? You put them immediately into these like high stakes career making or breaking situations and you're asking them to do something that often they've, they've never really had to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right, Lauren. We did a, um, a national poll. Gosh, this is back in April, I think. So, right. You know, we've been, we've been in the pandemic for, you know, a month or a little more than a month. Um, and it was a poll of small business owners and entrepreneurs, uh, just about their, you know, how they were feeling about things. And, it was um it was unbelievable even in the midst of this like uncertainty and crisis they pointed to and you know this real world learning this sort of pre preparing you know our next generation of talent to be you know to have a, that kind of entrepreneurial mindset as one of the most important things us you know that we can do and so i i, I think it resonates i'm really excited about it um and, and another another thing that we're doing, um, you know, your your great sponsor there, Tesseract Ventures. Um, I think about we um, are seed funding a um, 
adult technical college called Skilled Casey Technical Institute. And it is piloting three programs that will um, basically provide not certificates. So non-degree bearing programs that are in high in demand uh, fields um, that are, you know, where there's, you know, literally thousands of, of, of job openings just, just in our community here in Kansas City and across the country, actually. And so those are things like advanced manufacturing, biotech, and software development. And so um, I'm excited because I feel like there's, you know, so much demand for these kinds of, of um, these kinds of jobs. And whether that's someone coming out of high school or someone who's who's been to college and, you know, wants to do something different or someone who's, you know, um, in the middle of their career and wants to get reskilled. And so um, I'm excited about the future of that. I think it's going to be great for Kansas City and it, and it complements our work, in, you know, with our Kauffman Scholars Program and our Kansas City Scholars Program, which I mentioned because we believe there are multiple pathways to success. That can be a two or four year degree. It can be a certificate. Um, it's no longer just this linear approach where you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job. Um, things are getting disrupted out there and people are taking different pathways and we encourage that. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think, I hope anyway, that there's a growing understanding that sometimes not only are there different paths to success, but sometimes the measures of success that we have instituted don't always reflect those who end up being the most successful. Um, you know, when we talk about like standardized testing and things like that, like those those metrics that, that people are judged by and kind of guided by as they they navigate um, a post-education world, um, you know, sometimes the people who didn't do great in traditional learning environments, those are the ones that do really, really interesting things. Um, you know, so so I, I love that the, the opportunities and the that, that you're offering are, they look just a little bit different from what is traditionally considered, you know, the right path. That's so important. Yeah, I, I hear you. Both my girls who are, um, you know, now out of college, they were, they did not do well at like the ACT or, you know, the GRE, my, my oldest daughter's in PT school. Um, but they've, they, they're thriving in their lives. Um, and so, sorry, Kelly and Hannah. I mean, you, they did, they didn't, they, they were terrible at standardized tests and it freaked me out, but I realized it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it, 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 you know, it, it worked out and they were able to, they actually do the work. They just, they froze, you know, and it just didn't really, it didn't really showcase their knowledge, I guess. And so I, I, I hope there's change in that. And this is one step in that direction. Yeah. Well, and I, like I said, I'm just, I'm so glad that there is this kind of dawning realization that those kind of kinds of metrics aren't the be all end all um, to, to gauge future success. So, so you, you, you brought up your daughters and I don't want to embarrass them, but I do want to ask you a question because I just really like asking this question. Um, what is the world that Wendy and or the Kaufman Foundation, you can answer it however you want, mm -hmm. want to be for your girls? Oh. Oh. Um, you know, I mean, with all the, um, I mean, you know, we, we've been made hyper aware of the inequities and the racism that, that is, you know, pervasive in our, in our society. Um, I, I don't think it's gonna happen in their lifetime, but I want that gone. Um, I, I, it's just, you know, the unrest that we have, it seems to get worse every day. I want, 
I want this country to have a more level playing field opportunities for not that, not just them, but for, for everyone. Um, you know, I had the opportunity recently to help my younger daughter um, buy a house. You know, I, I helped her with a little bit of a down payment. Um, and I know that I, I don't want less for her. I just want more for others. Um, so I think a more just, um, equitable society is going to be a more prosperous and happy society. And that's what I wish for them and for others in their generation. And you're, I mean, I'm pretty confident about this, but I imagine you're pretty confident that the work you're doing through the, the Kauffman Foundation is, is one of the paths to get there, right? Well, that's what, you know, I, li I listen, I mean, we, it's, it's a big task and we need many others to work with us, but absolutely. I mean, that's, I think that's what those priorities are aimed at. That's what Mr. Kaufman wanted. Um, and that's absolutely what our mission um, is about. I love it. I'm, I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to, to talk to you. So, so I'm going to ask you one final question and it's, it, it's a little broad based, but hopefully not too bad. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are who are listening to you right now and, and folks who are interested in entrepreneurship as a path. Um, what what is the best piece of advice that you could give them? I just keep hitting you with the hard ones, don't I? Wow. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> tough one. I'd say I'm going to go back to the people thing. I think um, you can't do it alone. You need help. You need to empower your team. You've got to, at some point, you've got to get out of the business and, you know, kind of be above the business and let, let your people do their thing. Um, I just think I, I see too many entrepreneurs sometimes like try to hold on too tight um, and, um, you know, maybe not have the sort of leadership skills they need to really have a thriving team. So I, I think it comes down to people. I really does how you treat your people, how you empower them. Um, because they are going to be the key to your success. So that's a hard question. I, I know, <laughs> I, know. I, know. I nailed it, but I it's off of my head. Great. But, you know, while I have you, I want to get the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, I, I do have, I do have one final question for you and this is going to be, hopefully this is going to be a little easier. I'm just really curious. What kind of toppings do you like on your pizza? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I love um, it, like just the basic margarita pizza. So basil, garlic, you know, some, some. You like the wood fire? I do. And you know, I love the cauliflower crust. Have you Ooh, tried that? I haven't. I need to, I, I need to give it a shot. I've heard that I would probably like it, but yeah, I'm definitely a huge fan of the margarita pizza. Il Lazarone has a really good wood fired margarita pizza. Mm, that sounds so, good. Yeah. And I like pie pizza. I like anything that's kind of like sort of like designer pizzas, I guess. My husband's like Mr. Pepperoni pizza. So we always get two different ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that sounds like me and my husband. Like I'm definitely <laughs> the more like quote unquote fancy pizza. And he's just like, yeah, as long as it's like got grease on it, I'm good. Lots of cheese. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so here is a very defining question. I know I said one, I, I that was the last one, but it's not, because uh, I feel like it. Uh, so pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I will mix, I will mix fruit and meat. I know some people hate that, but I don't judge me. I love it. I, think I love that. And you know, you throw some jalapeno on there and there's like a yes. little bit 
it and the lid will hit to fire. Uh, I don't understand people who are just like, no, pizza to me is an adventure. You can you can try all different kinds, all kinds of stuff. It's just a vessel. It's a vessel, right? To put, yeah. stuff, you know, it's like <laughs> building a casserole on a, on a pizza crust. <laughs> a delicious, delicious sauce and cheese and stuff delivery mechanism. You're making me hungry. I'm going to have to have pizza for <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, so, so anytime you want, let, let's head out for pizza and we can go get a, a, a very classy wood-fired edition or something like that. That'd be great. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well, so, so Wendy, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be with us today. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I just, I loved getting your take on things and hearing more, uh, getting some more context on this, the Kaufman Foundation, this organization that I love. Um, so, so it's been a real treat and an honor. Well, thank you, Lauren. Uh, I am honored to be on and I just want to thank you for all that you do for the entrepreneurial ecosystem. You know what? I, like, like I said, before we hopped on here, most days it is an absolute blast and it is a, it is a true, true pleasure. Uh, but thank you for that. Uh, do you want to note, um, we've talked a lot about Tesseract Ventures here. Tesseract Ventures has brought Silicon Valley level innovation to the Midwest, enabling businesses just like yours to defy the boundaries of space and time through next generation technologies. Visit tesseractventures.io to learn more or click the link in the show notes. Also want to remind you that you can find the Startup Hustle podcast on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast or check out our YouTube channel. Thanks so much for stopping in to listen for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast, and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.